the successes were just huge. Like, hey, I just got asked if I wanted to be on this board. You know what? I just got a pay increase because I'm showing leadership. Branding, personal branding and showing your brand is a form of leadership. Believe it or not, you're leading up in an organization. Instead of somebody coming to you and saying, do you do this, this, and this, you're showing them what you can actually do, right? Hey, everyone. Welcome to the CM Mentors Podcast. Uh, Kyle Grandel is my host as always, and this week we have Shelly Peterson. We're going to be talking all about personal branding. Yeah, very excited to have you here, Shelly, and uh, so give everybody just a little bit of an introduction here. So Shelly is a, a well-known and highly acclaimed business executive, uh, specializing in business strategy. Uh, her passion for business and entrepreneurship is, is one of her big motivators. Uh, she owns Promoting Me, LLC, based out of Minnesota here. Started it in 2020, um, has, a, has a strong passion for helping people become brands and make a name for themselves. Um, she's also very high energy, as you'll see. And with that, Shelly, why don't you take over? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Matt, for this opportunity. So I am a third, constru- third, year, or third generation construction, and uh, so I swore to this was the industry I was never going to get into. So my father, uh, he was a laborer and then went off into the Army and became an operating engineer, and my grandfather was a carpenter. So I grew up in this crazy industry, was going to have nothing to do with this industry, so I went away to school and uh, went into business finance, accounting, and business management, and lo and behold, I ended up in this industry. So I am third-generation construction. I have uh, done about 115 major projects, $3.5 billion worth of work in 14 different states. So even though I'm not boots on the ground, I don't have my hard hat on any day, uh, every day, I still work in the industry with a lot of construction professionals, teaching them the value of personal branding. And so the way I always put it is, This is my opportunity, my older self, if I could tell my younger self what to do with some digital technology, how to stand out from the competition, how to live in this micro-attention world, that's what I'm telling. So that's what I'm teaching, that's what I'm out there leading, and that's what I'm helping people do. So I did start promoting me um, about uh, two and a half years ago. Um, I was in Florida at the time, so I've had the honor of having a fantastic career with two of the largest CMGCs in the nation, so 23 and a half years with the Bolt Company, and then about two years with uh, Suffolk, and I believe Suffolk's number 18 on ENR's top 100 right now. So very driven, very technology-based, very um, about the people, right? So I've had a fantastic corporate career and decided that uh, basically it was time to work on the human capital side of things. So Promoting Me was born, and that's basically where we help people become brands and make a name for themselves. And everybody's strategy is different. Uh, Everybody's why of of why they do it is different. And when I told my dad about this, so my 70-some-year-old dad, I'm like, I'm doing this. And he goes, Shelly, I don't understand. You just, you when you work, you put your head down and you do good things, good things come to you. And I said, yeah, dad, that was before this global marketplace of technology. I mean, think about 10 years ago, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing here today, right? And, and influence, influencing and talking with so many people. So it's really a game changer in the marketplace. And um, it really helps people figure out uh, how to leverage what they bring to the table. And oftentimes you're only as good as the manager that you're reporting to, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if others can't see past that, you don't get anywhere in an organization. So it really is teaching you 
you how to take control of your own career in addition to leveraging your company brand and really creating that hybrid. So very passionate about it. I love helping people. And even though the basis of strategy is the same, everybody's piece is unique because every one of us brings something different into the marketplace. Yeah, great, great. And Shelly, we've been working together for, what, almost a year now, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Shelly came on board to help me with my company. We were um, looking to start making some some big growth growth changes in, in the way we strategize with, uh, with with marketing and promotional items and also building up that personal brand. I mean, uh, Shelly, the stuff you talk about with regards to getting that brand out there and really building that for the younger audience, I mean, that's the stuff that's so valuable. I, I wish I had known that. I've been on LinkedIn for probably 15 years, and I just started to do it with your advice. Um, I mean, what are some things that you think the younger audience should really know regarding that? I mean, there's, there's just so much to it, but there's obviously some basic things, too, people should get started with. So what do you think about that? You know, so many people, when you say personal branding, people kind of give you that look like, okay, I've heard of company branding, but what's personal branding, right? And they give you that deer in the headlights look like, hmm, I'm not sure what this woman talking about, right? And when you stop saying it, and I have this, and I'm just going to hold it up, but for me, I mean, you probably can't see this, but what is a personal brand, right? Basically, a personal brand, is it's not about you. It's about the value you put on what you do, right? So it's a way to show people, hey, here's how I can contribute to your team. You know, here's the knowledge base that I actually have. Here's here's some of my hard lessons that I've learned, right? If, if I can tell you about those lessons, uh, basically you don't have to learn them yourself, right? And um, so in construction, if you guys are anything like me, um, I've got 19-year-old twins, a boy and a girl. And every time I go by a building, I go, oh, mom built this, or, you know, I did this, or remember superintendent Greg did this, or hey, Stuart did that. And I was like, oh my God, mom. And then I catch myself being my dad because I'm like, that's exactly what we did. So I grew up in pulp and paper. When I first started in the construction industry, I was in pulp and paper. And uh, we brought people all in from, from Finland, from, you know, we boomed, construction boomed people in. It was a melting pot of projects, right? You came from different states. And really, I look back on that and go, you know what, look at the brand of the people. Now we just put it, we put a label with it now, right? And now we have platforms to be able to share it. So when somebody says, what's the very first thing that I could do to help build my brand? I'm like, get on LinkedIn, build out your LinkedIn profile. And people, when you take a look at your URL on your LinkedIn, don't let it be the series of numbers like Shelly-Peterson 976288. You know what? If there's 12 Shelly Petersons, no one's going to find you, right? Because you're going to populate at the bottom. The algorithm doesn't like that number. So go ahead and, and put some thought behind what does your profile look like. It's a free platform. You don't have to have premium. Obviously, I do for, for other reasons, but you don't have to have that. And um, utilize that platform. And, you know, this is you're going to laugh at this, but when I get invited to a baby shower, I buy them their .com and their .me of their baby's name. Because, you know what? Look at how far things have Now, I buy them other things, too. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, in addition to the blankets and the bottles and the clothes, I buy them their .coms and .me's. And they're going to thank me. That's going to be their biggest investment when those kids get to be in high school, when they go off to college, and when they start their professional careers. I'm going to get a phone call from those kids, and they're going to say, 
that was the best gift you ever gave me as a baby. But really, that's what it is, is it's, it's building your brand on different platforms. And when I do programs for CEOs in the schools or do programs on earn while you learn, it's like, well, what can I do? What if I don't know what I want to do? It's all part of the journey, right? And the, the sooner you're starting your career, the better off. So, you know, we make programs for students, young professionals, mid-year professionals, and executives, right? Because we all have different journeys and we all have different stories to tell. And even though the end result, like if I'm building a dot-com for someone, or I shouldn't say me, if Miranda's building the dot-com, um, I'm harvesting all of your information, right? When your dot-com is built, not only is it like, oh my gosh, this is me, but the journey that you took to get there, what are you good at? You know, what makes you stand out from your competition? Why should somebody hire you? Tell me a big success that you've had or tell me your biggest failure and how you overcame it. That's all part of us, right? So we talk about being unique. We each have our own fingerprints, right? I can really hardly wait till our passwords are just a fingerprint or a retina scan or something um, so we don't have to remember them. But seriously, that's what we are. That's what makes us all unique. And we just have to find creative ways to stand out in the in the the micro attention world we live in and always be top of mind, right? And it also goes to employers as well. So, you know, LinkedIn, the one thing that just drives me crazy is so-and-so just spoke at this event as part of our company and blah, blah, blah. Well, they don't tag them, right? They never tag the individual. And it's like, you just missed a huge opportunity. So when we're out here functioning in the marketplace, be sure to take, take companies, take people, get into their networks, grow your network for two years. We, a lot of places, I lived in Florida at the time, so it wasn't the case, but back in Minnesota, I mean, how did you network? You couldn't leave your houses, right? And especially mm -hmm. if you did business development or sales, it gave a whole different way. We became keyboard warriors. Let's see what I can find out about Matt. What can I find out about Kyle, right? And if you Google yourself and you're absent, then you're really absent in the marketplace. You really need to start working on your personal brand. It's funny you talk about, I mean, just like Kyle, I, I really started, I would say, building my personal brand. I wasn't even thinking about it that way, but really starting to, I guess, have an internet footprint really probably nine months ago or so. Like, I created a, a weekly newsletter, and I was like, I have to go market this thing, which kind of started to snowball for me. Um, but, you know, a lot of, I see a lot of value in it, even if you're not job hunting. A lot of people, like, I started posting on LinkedIn, and I had a buddy reach out to me, and he said, are you looking for a job? And I was like, no, why? He's like, oh, you're, you're posting a lot. And I was like, oh, no, and I explained to him what I was doing with this newsletter and stuff. But yeah. one of the unintended benefits of doing all this that I didn't see coming was just, like, the people I met and the networking and, the and like, I met Kyle through the, just what I'm doing, and I've met so many other awesome people. Um, and that's just been such a benefit to me. And I mean, I've got such a network now that I can call and pretty much no matter what I don't know. And I need to call somebody like I, I know who to reach out to. If I have a question on this, call this person. If I have a question on this, call this person. And it's, exactly. it's just so cool. Well, when I do, when I speak a lot in construction, I say, you know what? Construction's not brick and mortar. Construction's about relationships. And the sooner we realize that, right? So when we're brought to an interview, you know what? It's not because we're not qualified, because they've already proof-checked our financials. They know our bonding capacity. They know who the executives are. They know exactly, you know, where you have offices. They know if you're in the community. But what they don't know, and the reason why we interview, is the people that stand on our team, right? And when promoting me actually became a thing, um, I was at an actual uh, presentation for a $150 million school in Naples, Florida. And um, you really, you know, because we do, and I'm just as guilty, you know, we talk about our bonding, we talk about our projects, we talk about community, blah, blah, blah. 
And a question came up by the facilities director is, do you want to tell me why this project is project and this project says it was built by this comp by your company when it was built by Gilbane or Turner or Skanska. And it really comes down to this, right? It comes down to these are the 15 people standing next to me for the next 24 to 36 months that regardless of what issue comes up, we're your team. If you have contaminated soils, guess what? We're going to figure it out together. You've got a bald eagle's nest on your site. Yep. Guess what? We're going to figure it out together. Your homeowners are getting dust on their pool cages and dirt in their pools. I'm going to find someone that's going to come and clean your pool, right? You know, this is the team that's actually going to do it. There's a lot of pride of all of these team members standing here. Plus, there's 150 to 200 people of tradespeople behind us, so we're not all it, right? Um, my dad always told me when I was an executive vice president, Shelly, if you can do anything, you break down that wall between office and field. Because you know what? The field can't function without the office, and the office can't. And it's, it's true, right? We all have to work together. And that's really where it came out to be is, you know what? It's the human capital within our organizations. We can get technology. We can go ahead and buy, get open space, and we can do... Um, you know, the, some of the plan grid, and we can start to uh, model all of our projects. But if the people on the team don't embrace it, or we don't understand what we're interpreting in this information, it's no good, right? And um, so that's really where the interest for me in personal branding, human capital, and like you said, you don't have to be looking for a job. For 23 and a half years, I let a marketing department develop my resume. When I left the Bolt Company and went to Suffolk, I didn't have a resume. I had marketing proposal resumes, but I didn't have a resume, right? How many boards did I serve on? How many awards did I won? How many times was I published? How many times was I on some sort of an informational talk show or, you know, different things? I didn't have any of that information, nor did I have really good records to go back and create it. So that's where the dot-com actually came from, is saying, you know what? Have a digital landing place for all of your stuff. I don't care if you never publish it, you never promote it it, have a .com or a .me because build out those digital assets. Then once I did that for myself and I actually started working with individuals to do it, the successes were just huge. Like, hey, I just got asked if I wanted to be on this board. You know what? I just got a pay increase because I'm showing leadership. Branding, personal branding and showing your brand as a form of leadership. Believe it or not, you're leading up in an organization. Instead of somebody coming to you and saying, do you do this, this, and this? You're showing them what you can actually do, right? Within the parameters of your company, because now if you're working on a big industrial project or you're working on a project where there's a clause in there where you can't take photos and you start to share those, now you've got a different issue, right? So you got you got to know your parameters and you've got to know what you're good at. So you know you need you need to lead that. And there's there's different reasons, not just looking for a job, looking for other other things, and it becomes a data capture period point of view as well. Hey, Shelly, a question that I'm just thinking of is um, as far as, like, thinking about opportunity for the younger generations and maybe where they um, um, could strive to do a little better, are you seeing um, in the clients that you work with more more of an age group or demographic that is better at this? Um, you know, so, so somebody that you would say, um, you know, they're, they're doing this stuff and they're, they're really into it, but then you look at maybe, maybe, maybe younger people like myself, Matt, and we're not as, as into it as we should be. Or, you know, what are you seeing trend-wise? What's in the industry right now? You know, it's kind of funny because this is the first time ever we've got five generations in the workforce, right? And so the demographics piece of it is really interesting when it comes to um, people, kids coming out of school are actually starting to do some of this because it's being taught in their career classes. I have a lot of um, people in their 
um, mid to later career that want to, um, we, call, we call it second wind career when you're kind of up here in corporate America and you don't know where else to go, what do you do? The second wind career pieces of it is getting all those digital assets together and now I'm going to write a book or I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, to uh, write be a, a blogger. I'm going to go on. We live in a world of instant gratification. So everybody thinks we can be a TikToker. Everybody thinks that we can go on YouTube and do something. But, you know, I see just as many people right now in that 45 to 60 year olds as I do in the younger generation that they're just a little bit more tech savvy. And as far as, you know, this is a really great way to be able to connect. And Matt, you talked about this and Kyle, you were talking about a little earlier. You know, if it wasn't for LinkedIn, I wouldn't be um, mentoring two students from a community college and on a construction management program in Sacramento right now. I wouldn't be mentoring a law student at Boston Law College um, right now that wants to be a, a construction law attorney. Um, so just different pieces of that is just, um, and it becomes a fact checker too, because I worked with a construction company out in California that said, you know what, we had $150 million hospital. We were so convinced that we actually had this project that we put it in our awarded and not booked. What happened is we came right down to it and we were dead tied. You know, the scorecards that everybody keeps when you interview, they were tied on, on, on the scorecards. So what did they decide to do? They, they took this half of the group, took one proposal and said, I want you to research as much about the company and the people and community. Everything that they put in their proposal, I want you to fact check. And they split up and did that twice. And uh, what happened is this company that um, I was working with reached out to me because they did not get the project. They had $150 million in their awarded and not booked, and they lost it. And it was because, you know what, they were absent on LinkedIn. Their superintendents, their project managers, their field engineers, their project coordinators, their executive leaders, they weren't on there. When it said, you know what, we participate in today's Go Red for Women. I forgot to wear red today. But you know what, when, when they did that, guess what? They were absent on social media and digital media. That was all that they could think of to do to break that tie because both of them were equally qualified and they lost the project. So when you think about how that plays in, we, we didn't have that ability even five, seven years ago, right? You know, because we were just linked in and, and and I don't work for LinkedIn, but I, I love the platform because if you don't have anything, it's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. And um, so at this point, it was like, you know what, if nothing else, in, if you don't have a lot of money, then sit down and work with your supers, work with your PMs, work with your executive teams, get your LinkedIn built up. And not just like fluffy build up, build it out, right? Put the things in there, you know, company got this award, put the pictures of your awards, do all that kind of stuff because that becomes a fact check. We all feel like, oh my gosh, are you credible? I better Google Matt to see what he does, right? Okay. We all do it. We, we're Google warriors. We, we sit there and we do it because, you know, we think that's, that's, we're curious, right? As humans, we're curious about other people and 80% uh, of us are visual. So when we're curious and we're visual, how do we validate? Google. <laughs> so that's where we find it. That's funny because I do the same thing. As soon as the first, when I hear about a new company or I see a proposal for some new company, I go Google and then, or a new person or I go Google Shelly and all this sort of stuff. But a lot of people do that, but they don't think about people Googling them. <laughs> no, exactly right. And the, here's, here's my best question that I get from people. So I'll go in and we were talking about, you know, the age span. So five generations in the workforce, 
let's face it, construction started out as a macho culture, right? Um, as a female in construction for nearly, well, 27 years, right? The only advantage, I said I was in construction before, it was cool to be a woman because the only advantage is there was no line to use the bathroom. And, um, and sometimes, really, that was it. Growing up in pulp and paper and mining, that was really what it is. But when you stop and think about... Um, you know, that Google aspect and how the different generations actually do it. We can get distracted sometimes too, right? Because there's so much out there that we don't know what to focus on. And then some of our, some of the people will say, or the employers will, I don't want my people to go on there because now people are going to poach them. They're going to, you know, now hire them. And I always say, if you have a really strong culture within your organization, let people Google and headhunt away because you know what? They're not going to want to leave. And uh, so it really comes to that point of, of how we communicate is different. When I talk about, um, I do a lot of keynote speaking, and when I talk about, you know, how we communicate, when my mom wanted my grandma to make something, she would go pull out a recipe box and have my grandma make Grandma Tilly's bread, right? And when I wanted my mom to make something, there was magazines everywhere. I'd go take a scissors and cut out a recipe for lasagna and say, Mom, can you make this lasagna? When my kids want me to make something, they just send me a TikTok, which, hallelujah, I'm visual. That's great. I can stop and start it how many times I want. Now my phone looks a little messy after time dinner's ready. But you know what? It's really good because we're visual. That's how technology is changing the landscape of where we're at. And sometimes in construction, specifically, we are so proud of our open space cameras that we're wearing on our, our hard hats to be able to capture all the changes. In-walls inspections are done so totally different now, right? You can go in and do laser 3D scanning of different areas. We can go ahead. When I built my high school, my last project I built was a 286,000 square foot um, precast high school um, in Fort Myers, Florida. And we modeled the entire project before we ever did anything. And yet people are like, oh my gosh, you spent that much money? Absolutely. And it was worth every single dollar because we did a lot of prefabrication. We didn't know a pandemic was coming, right? Mm -hmm. And just some of the advantages. This is no different. This is using innovation in a different way um, to show your customers, hey, look at the quality team I have. Look at your community. Hey, we do give back. You know, we are a solid company with good culture. And and it's even joint ventures. You know, I did an, an illustration last uh, couple weeks ago with Kyle and one of my other customers um, at the Associated General Contractors Annual Construction Summit. And joint ventures in our industry are some of the things that are the most confusing because they don't understand owners and architects sometimes don't understand why in the world would you want to joint venture with another company? A, can't you do it by yourself? B, don't you have the bonding capacity? C, you know, what scares you about this project? So instead of all of those, you put it in reverse and you put a really good plan together with using digital technology of saying, here's what you get when you bring two powerhouse companies together, right? We have better access to capital. We have better human capital that we bring there. You know what? We're stronger together than we are individually. That's where all this personal branding stuff actually really ties in because that's where all the credibility starts to come from. And that's where people start. To, you're gaining confidence. You're teaching and educating through a platform that you're just being you, but you're getting in front of people that you wouldn't have gotten in front of before. Absolutely. Well, Matt, question for you. Um, what, what got you started in the personal branding nine months ago? Um, I was trying to market a, a newsletter. <laughs> yeah. And so I created something, and then, I mean, it's a free newsletter, but I still had to sell it. And so I started that. And But, I mean, I how do you do that to reach out? So I started posting on LinkedIn, and I just started 
it just kind of started the snowball going downhill. And then I realized, like, hey, there's a lot of value with this. By sort of, I didn't even realize I was doing it at the time, creating that personal brand. But once I kind of found myself inside of like a, a circle on LinkedIn, and you know, it's kind of the same ten or twelve people that kind of comment on each other's posts for the most part. And then you bring in another person, they kind of bring in another person. I've kind of seen this ecosystem build out. Um, it's so I want to say it's so easy on LinkedIn right now for people in the construction industry because. There's no one posting on there in the construction industry for the most part. I say no one. Um, David Harash, he's a marketing guy for uh, 4M Utilities Analytics, and he put a thing up, and I shared it. But it was like there's, I think he said 6.5 million people that are listed as construction professionals on LinkedIn, and however LinkedIn classifies or whatever their metric is, but there's only 2,900 active users actually posting. And so I forget what the math was. It was like 0.0044%. So, I mean, it's, it's so easy right now. Well, and construction is one of those industries, too, right, that we're a little bit slower to change than everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. So we sit here and go, okay, you try it, and if it works, then maybe I'll try it. And um, so we, we lead in other areas, but because, you know, and it doesn't matter, are you union, are you non-union, are you commercial, are you industrial, you know, are you food and beverage, you know, are you pharmaceuticals? It doesn't matter, right, because we kind of follow some of the same processes. But, you know, even, oh, my gosh, using an iPad for plan grid, right, or using touch plan instead of Post-it notes on a wall. I mean, that's like it takes an evolution to actually do that. And so the companies that I love to watch are those that are already on board, the construction companies that are innovators. They say they're innovative. You know, they say that, you know, we're cutting edge, but they don't show that brand leadership, right? And then when they say, you know what, you got my company brand, well, then what's the brand of your people? Because when you pull company brand and personal brand together, that's your hybrid brand. That's your selling point. That's your value proposition right there. And, you know, you can talk about we're an innovative company. We, you, you know, we're part of LCI. We're lean. You know, we've been doing all these processes. But have you? I mean, you have maybe in the actual constructability process. We forget that lean and some of those other processes tie into recruiting, onboarding, training, continuous education, community awareness. All of them tie together, but we are built, you know, we are builders. That's what we do, right? So we focus on those pieces, but we build relationships and we build community and we build the story that goes into those projects. And when we capture those, that's where the power comes in that, you know what, because I was a union contractor for 23 and a half years. When I left and I went to Florida, I was a non-union contractor. It didn't matter. I'd had, I had human capital, right? There's advantages and disadvantages to each one. And that I'm not here to debate that. What I'm here to say is the value of human capital is so important. And if you don't leverage it, you don't understand it. And you don't know if you have the right people in the right seats of the bus. I mean, this is no different than than Jim Collins' good to great, right? Your personal brand is putting people in the right seat of the bus of what they're good at and helping them excel to their career aspirations. So just as much as I do personal branding, I teach leadership as well, right? And um, because it's it, to me, it's all hand in hand of what you do. So we, we talk about how the construction industry is so far behind. If you could switch one lever, just one lever, to make the industry maybe less afraid of the internet and social media, I feel like there's a there's a fear around it. There is, and you know what? The, I, in my opinion, what the fear is is it's safety. 
right? Because, I mean, I look at third-generation construction. I can tell you some stories growing up. My dad used to ride the headache ball of a crane up to the top of a mining roof. With his lunch pail in hand, they would work. They would whistle for the crane operator. Just think about, we had Motorola radios, but they weren't really good back then, right? He would whistle down for the crane operator. As a superintendent, the guy would boom up the crane, right? They all get on the headache ball, and they come down, right? And, you know, look at how far safety has come in our industry mm-hmm. to actually keep people safe. Now, we're, we're there right now with diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? I mean, when I got into the construction industry, it was just 9.1% of females, um, and that was in early 2000. I won't tell you what it was when I got in because it was about 6%. And, um, but now we're at 14.2% in the latest published. So we've moved the needle, right? But I think that's the biggest thing right there is when we're on, when we're on Facebook and Instagram, we don't, yeah, we're doing this and we're doing that. When we're on LinkedIn, this is our, this is our peers. These are our professionals. These are people that could judge us, right? And if mm-hmm. we do it wrong, we're afraid to do it wrong, right? I mean, I even catch myself in a post every so often going, oh, did I spell that right? Or is it there or there? You know, so I'll analyze it. I way overanalyze it more than if I'm just doing a Facebook story or I'm doing a post, right? And I think that's what prevents our industry from going in a little bit further is A, we don't know what to talk about because we don't want to give trade secrets. B, we want to make sure that we're safe and that we're not showing pictures of things that are unsafe. Mm-hmm. And then we are really worried about, you know what, our labor right now is, is, is at a shortage, right? I was just reading Construction Dive here about um, some of the, um, what do they call it, Un, unfilled uh, hard hats is what they were calling it. And when you stop and take a look at that, everybody is so afraid that their employees are going to be poached if they talk about them. And I really think that that's, if we could move the needle on that, of it's confidence in believing in your company culture. It's confidence is you have content without having to give away trade secrets. And it's confidence in the fact that, you know what, no one goes home hurt. Talk about that story. Psychological safety is a big thing. And um, But you know what, carry it through. Talk about those success stories. So I really think that sometimes we don't know what to talk about and we're afraid to talk about it. So that's the lever that needs to move is, you know what, we're not macho culture anymore we have really great things we're doing in our industry and let's stand up there and let's talk about it because it's really cool i will put the construction industry not just because i was in it for so long but i'll put the construction industry up against any of the other customers i work with i work in finance i work in law you know i work in investment you know i've got customers all over right all over the u.s as well as all over market sectors i love construction because there's so many stories there's so you know you build a hospital it's not just the brick and mortar of the hospital it's the pediatric oncology department of where we were able to build a space safe for patients, safe for the kids, safe for their parents, right? You know, you, food and beverage, right? Oh, my gosh, you're packaging frozen meals that feed families, right? I mean, so there's so many stories in there that we just forget to tell because we're so regimented in how we built. We are builders. That is what we do. Step back from being a builder and look at the intellectual capital. Look at your human capital. That's where the story lives. <laughs> You got to go connect with Angela Suntries, our guest from last week, because we we had had almost the exact same conversation. It's awesome. So it's validation. It's true, right? It is. Two weeks in a row. (laughs) And I guess for two weeks in a row, I'll mention Chris with Island Elevator up in Long Island. He, uh, he, he, he's telling a story about, he, he posts a lot on LinkedIn, does a lot of videos and that sort of stuff. And he first started doing it, he thought he was marketing his company, you know, to get projects win more and win work. And what he found was by doing that, 
he was show, he was showcasing their company culture, which was awesome. And he had people come in. So instead of being afraid of losing your people because you're going on the Internet, he had people knocking yes. on his door wanting to come work for him. Exactly. When you show that brand leadership, when you show your investment in people, when you show what it's like to work there, right? So um, at the construction summit, I had showed a video that Suffolk put together called We Are Builders. Um, and it's more than just buildings, right? You look at the camaraderie, they captured the emotion, and that's really what it is, right? Is we, when I'm working with customers, it's like, if I look at that, what emotion does it bring out? Absolutely nothing, then it's not right. <laughs> you know, you gotta capture the emotion. That's what draws people in. We scroll through 300 feet of content every single day. We're exposed to between 5,000 and 10,000 ads every single day. If we're not looking different when we're scrolling, if something doesn't catch our eye, we don't stop and read it, right? So it's that compassion, it's the humility, and it's the part of being vulnerable. Any good leader is vulnerable, right, to some of their employees. And in construction, we don't like to show vulnerability um, or compassion because we're weak and we are builders. But this video captured um, really the essence of a project, camaraderie, planning, early mornings, late nights. You know what? Sometimes you look at, I mean, we did early morning tours when we were doing the um, high school project. We'd get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, right? But we still worked our regular days. We love morning pours. And people are like, but those are like 17 to 18-hour days. And you're like, I know, but you can be one-on-one with your super that you haven't had a chance to and just say, hey, how's Karen doing? You know, how are the kids doing? You get that personal side in there, right? So even though we are builders and we are macho, we still have emotion. We still have character, all of that kind of stuff. And that's really what, what comes out in the fact of people are curious of what our industry is like. And when I was at the construction summit, the, um, the laborers had a booth coupled down from me. And I was harassing them a little bit because obviously being a union contractor, I did employ their services. And um, I'm like, you guys have just a bunch of word vomit. I'm like, what's, you know, I was giving them a hard time because, you know what, for the longest time, we think we have to tell everybody everything we can. So what do we do? We put a, we put a document together. Well, the documents become more word vomit. Our brain is too busy scrolling through 300 you know, feet of content and looking at those ads that when it comes time to reading, if it's not like Cliff Notes versions, I'm not reading it, right? So that's where word vomit has gone away, and it's more picture, story. That's why we love video, because TikTok has trained us to like video now. And um, so if you can't tell me in 30 or 45 seconds why I should do business with you, Matt, I'm, out. I'm moving on to somebody else, right? And so as Kyle and I work together, we really try. That's when we get our assets together. When we built his.com, when we built jasons.com, we built his website. We put the strategy behind connection emotion, color, um, people, you know, what do you, who are you, who is your target audience, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, because I think sometimes, and this is just as a construction, but it fits construction too. We want to please everybody. Well, who's your target market? Everybody, anybody who wants to do business with me. Yeah, that's great theory, but who's your target audience? You only have so many resources. You only have so much bonding capacity and you can only be so many places geography. What's your target audience, right? And, um, so when you really hone that in and then it's like, well, what's your target audience doing? If you're in healthcare construction, you better know every regulation that's changing. You better have all of your people actually certified. You better, you know, you start to go through all those types of things. You almost, almost could be a doctor without being a doctor, right? Because you know so much about their industry. 
us as contractors, that's what we do is we have to know our customer's business just as well as we know our own business so that we know we don't interfere or that we're in the design process or in the, the constructability reviews or pre-construction, post-construction, commissioning, whatever it is, we're always mindful of our customer and their end space of what they're using. Well, Matt, we didn't really plan it, but this ended up being kind of the human side of construction week, didn't it? It really did. It's going to be back-to-back episodes. Yeah. <laughs> And just remind all the uh, the audience members, feel free to put any questions in the chat box and then or call in, too. We can do a live call in. Yeah, I'll take some questions. Yeah. I always like taking questions. I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, the construction industry being different and a little bit, you know, about the fear, the safety and that sort of stuff. Um is there any other really reasons why you think it might be different than any of the other industries? Well, you know, you look at, um, so in construction, oftentimes we follow our customers around, right? So we might be, maybe General Mills is one of our customers or, um, you know, maybe Lee County Schools. We follow our customers, so that means that we have to travel our teams, right? So we spend, we do a lot of heads and beds in hotels throughout the nation. And not that other, you know, pharmaceutical reps are doing it, you know, different types of executives are doing it, but our industry, where do you pack up your whole team, their whole livelihood, and we bring them to an area, right? Because that's what that customer wants is I want the A-team, right? So Kyle, you pack up your A-team and off we go to South Carolina, right? Okay, that project's done. Now we're going to go to Pembroke Pines, Florida. Okay, now we're going to do a tissue mill out in Las Vegas, right? So that's where I got my 14 different states is I traveled, right? I went to where those projects really were. I followed my customers. That's where we brought our teams. Now, did I stay the entire start to finish? No, but I was out there helping them, right? And I think that's what's really different in our industry is we have customers to serve. A lot of our customers are national. And not that we don't have multiple offices in different regions, but when we have talent and that customer knows that talent, they then want that talent on their project. And I think that's where, you know, whether you travel in an RV or you stay heads and beds in hotels or whatever your life plan is, construction is hard on families too, right? The young kids and that kind of stuff that their parents are in the industry. It's changed so much now compared to with technology and the way that we can do it. But I think that, you know, construction starts out and I always do it as a life cycle. You start out and you're fresh out of your, you're doing an internship somewhere and pretty soon they say, you know, you have an, an opportunity to, to go work in our California office and everybody gets starry eyed and goes, I'm going to California, right? Then you decide you want to settle down and you, you go with your girlfriend or boyfriend and you decide, okay, I'm going to get married. Well, where do you go? You usually go pretty kind of close to where you grew up because that's a comfort, it's comfortable. Maybe a couple hours away or whatever. And then pretty soon you're like, okay, you know, we're a couple now, but maybe we want to travel. We don't have kids yet. And it's just that whole life cycle. And then you have kids and you raise them and they go to school and then you get to the other end and you're like, guess what? My kids are graduated. They're in college right now. Now what am I going to do? Right. And that's why some of that second wind career is like, how do we leverage talent? How do we let the older talent mentor the younger talent? And what do those programs look like? And I don't think construction's got it figured out yet. Um, I don't know that every industry has it figured out yet, but because we are builders, we are so focused on building and we don't take pre-construction and 
use a pre-construction model to build our people. I mean, we're so busy being builders that pretty soon we find a gap in our organization. Well, we've got 12 to 18 month runways ahead of us, right? And if you take a look at how our projects run, how much time for pre-construction, how much time for construction, and then what's close out and commissioning look like, boom, we're on to the next project, right? Where's the strategy pieces that go into that? And that's really where I think that knowing your people um, and, and, and leading up, having your people be responsible for leading up, and then understanding what do you want to do in your roles too? Do you want to mentor? Do you want to speak in the community? Do you want to, you know, you know, what does that look like? Where are there roles within your organizations? And I think when you're first coming in, you don't know that yet, right? You need those people to kind of help you. And the younger generation right now is just like, well, I'm going to Google you, Matt and Kyle, and if I can find something about you, I'll say yes. If not, you scare me. I don't know if I want to work with you yet, right? So that's where validation starts to come in too and uh, really start to play an important part in that. But, you know, we're just a little bit slower um, to change in some of those aspects. So. So this whole podcast is kind of really supposed to be to like be a, a an asset or a thing for kind of the next generation, um, which obviously everything we're touching on is going to span every generation. But so with that theme in mind, say someone's 23 years old or so, 25 years old, fresh out of college, they're wanting to start building that personal brand, but maybe they're working for a company who's kind of scared of the internet, scared of social media. What are some like advice you'd give to help them like kind of navigate those waters? So first thing I always say is God gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. Listen as much as you can and learn as as much as you can, right? And you don't have to be totally forward-facing, building everything flamboyantly and posting and doing all that, right? But learn, right? Learn as much as you can from the person. If you have that opportunity and they say, you know what, we need somebody in in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina that will go do X, Y, Z, throw your hand in the air. Some of the best life, life lessons that I've ever received are by re- reluctantly saying yes to an opportunity that maybe took me away from my family. Um, but um, there was a time when I was working out in San Francisco. So I did a week in Minnesota, a week in San Francisco. My kids were in, in uh, they were six, they were in first grade. And it was the most hellish thing ever, right? I almost hated every moment, but here's the deal. That was the time that I grew some of the best growth in my career is because I was I was a Midwest girl trying to function in San Francisco. I was learning the culture. I was living in two different time zones. I was learning to balance. I was learning different ways of construction. So if you're younger and you're just starting out, when you're presented with an opportunity, hey, it can be scary and it can be lonely and you don't know what the, uh, don't. Don't be afraid to, to leverage that opportunity. That fear is only going to last for a short period of time. That loneliness is only going to happen until you meet some new people. Just leverage as much as you can. Learn, grow, and travel while you're young. And you know what? Don't be afraid to say, you know what? I can take that on. You know, we suffer from imposter syndrome sometimes because we feel like we have to know everything. We don't. You know what? I always tell people, you know what? If you feel like you know 55% of it, go for it, right? You can learn the other 45%. Same if you're looking for a job, right? And you're looking at leaving an organization. Ah, uh, that I don't have this or I don't have that. Well, do you have 55% of what they're asking for? Well, yeah. Then go after it. What's the worst they say is no. So say yes. Say yes a lot and listen, learn from other generations. You might not agree with their leadership style or the way they talk to other people. There might be other things that you don't agree with, but what can you learn from them and uh, how can you use that in your career?
And just to validate what you're saying, Shelly, I mean, that was my experience, too. Um, in my design engineering role, a pre, uh, you know, previous job, I guess two, probably two jobs ago, um, I started my first day on Monday, and on Friday I was in California. I was one of the few that wanted to travel, and because of that, I, I was in California for eight months, and I had a great time working out there. And then that right. led to my next job and the next job. And before you know it, I'm in Albuquerque working on a job, and I hear about a job to be a construction manager that yeah. gets me into this industry. And so it's just I, what you're saying about saying yes and being being willing to kind of take the leap of faith and not really know what's going to happen but just be brave and do it it opens many many doors you just never even thought you'd have i usually have and i know i kick myself as you're talking to that i have some rubber bands that i use so just i'll illustrate and those that are are going to listen to this just have to visualize this but i took a rubber band and i stretch it out right and i said this is where i was when you know as i kind of grew throughout my career at bolt right i just kept stretching and stretching and it got to the point where either my rubber band was going to break or i had to learn to expand it a little bit more right when i threw my hand in the air and said no i want to explore southwest florida and that opportunity didn't end up working out for me but i already lived down there my rubber band continued to grow in a different way right and then what happens is what you can't put a rubber band back to small again right you just have to keep stretching it and you have to keep stretching yourself and you have to keep learning new things and some of the you know the world's most successful leaders are those that continue are continually learning so you know it doesn't matter your age it doesn't matter your career it doesn't matter what you're doing continue to learn continue to stretch and oh let me tell you i was out on the skinny branch and i felt like i was bouncing so far that this baby was going to give out right but when i look back it was i mean those are some of your best lessons those are some of your best learnings that you can do and um so think of that rubber band and just continue to stretch it and stretch it and stretch it because when you're stretching it you can't bring it back small again you got to keep going and um, that's the value of, of each person and each person being unique that's one thing I've realized too is you're always underqualified for your promotion, the next promotion. Because like if you've never been a vice president before, you're being promoted. Well, you're underqualified because you've never done that before. And so, even as you're moving up from assistant project manager to a project manager, you're going to be underqualified to do it because you've never done it before. Exactly. But if you're going to grow, you got to keep put, uh, going through it. Well, and you know, there's a lot of lessons in that too, right? Because number one, you wouldn't have been identified as a leader to take on that if there was people didn't see stuff that you don't see in yourself. Right. And I teach a program, a dignified program, but I tie um, conflict resolution into it. And I just was with a student last week that I was kind of going through this. And, and one of the illustrations was we all have our personal, um, the way we were raised and some of the things that we carry with us. I call that our baggage, right, that we bring forward. And, and sometimes, you know, we have so much baggage. We're like the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport or we're like the Miami Airport. But when the carousels go around, sometimes our bags aren't there at the end of it. And there was a story about this gentleman named Mike that he was being promoted in Chicago to a vice president position. And the Chicago office was really failing and it was really having a hard time. And and so the leaders bring him in and they say, we're going to promote you to this vice president. You know, we're giving you this X number of dollar raise, which was a very hefty raise and said that, you know what, you're going to have carte blanche to be able to make the changes you need to make this office successful. And the guy, Mike, just went ballistic, and he just said, you know what, you're setting me up for failure, and I don't want this position. You're looking for a fall guy. And so instead of seeing the advantage in it, right, he brought some of those that internal turmoil and that imposter syndrome to like, they're just going to make me out. I'm going to fail. Instead of saying, we've have a, we have an army of people behind here that are going to make you successful. We just haven't had anybody to lead the effort. And that's why it's failing now. 
And uh, so Mike looks back on that that opportunity, and obviously he ended up getting fired because of what's happened. So he went from going to be a vice president to like now unemployed. <laughs> and but you think about how some of that plays into, um, you know, you do have to have that strength within to, to be okay to to try and take that next step sometimes too, and just realize that nobody started out having all the answers. We've all learned it somewhere, and some of, some of life's biggest lessons have learned from our biggest mistakes. And um, so I'm just in the process of outlining a book right now. I haven't titled it yet, but it's about the C's around leadership. And obviously with C starting as construction, right? It's our, our character, our commitment, our courage, but compassion comes into that too. And, um, you know, it's okay to be compassionate as a leader. And uh, that even shows your brand awareness as well. So when you're asked to do something, throw the hand in the air and say, I'm in and learn along the way and enjoy the journey. <laughs> Yeah, Shelly, about a month ago, I shared a story on LinkedIn about a, a past failure that I had on a project where we uh, kind of failed to meet the expectations. I mean, the first step there is understanding them, of course. Any any good uh, lessons learned that you want to share from any, any past projects, any experiences? I'm putting you on the spot here. You are. Oh, my God. I have so many lessons learned. You know, oh, I, I know. think probably... The biggest lessons that I've had around um, younger leadership and training younger leadership and, you know, um, allowing them to be successful and and really putting them in the right positions to be successful. And um, I didn't always get it right <laughs> by no means. I probably did the best I could at the time, but now I reflect back on it and go, you know, so for me, it's reflecting on those mistakes and figuring out how to do them better and talking about them. Um, because, you know, I probably, when I was a newer leader, especially being a female, I didn't stand up for myself as much as I should have. And I allowed myself to be bullied in some cases. And, um, and then when somebody would ask me, well, you know, how is that going? I would put on the, the front of, Hey, everything is great. Right. You know, I'm going to work through this instead of saying that, you know what, I need help with this situation, right? I need help with this young leader or you know what? I don't feel like, you know, I'm being dignified or I'm being respected. So I think for me, by just standing up for myself, and I think I was a little bit too much of a doormat sometimes because I, I felt like, A, as a female in construction, I had to work a little bit harder. And I'm not making this gender-based, but it was a little bit different 25 years ago than what it is today, right? And I had a time I was working a shutdown up at um, one of our mines. I was new. I was doing lockout, takeout, and I was actually doing brassing for people coming in. So we had a crew of about 100, 100 on days, 50 on nights, and I was kind of bridging that gap between days and nights. And um, I went out to the, the port john, and I had to use the bathroom, and that was before OSHA says you have to have a separate male and female bathroom, so you just all use the same. I went in there, and my name was written all over the port john and it was nasty, nasty stuff, right? And I'm like, I came in, and my dad told me through Generation Construction, as a female, you will never cry in this industry. I don't care if they cut your arm off. You will never cry. And uh, now I look at that, and it's like, you know what? That just would have shown. I mean, it would have been okay, but I didn't, right? And so no matter how much I held it back, and I walked in, and my superintendent, his name was Dick Chambers, um, rest his soul, and and uh, he goes, Peterson, what's your problem? You're always so happy. It looks like, it looks like you got ran over out there. And I'm like... Well, I kind of did. And he goes, well, what happened? So I just had to go to the bathroom. I go in there, and my name's written all over the portage on. And he gives me a high five. And I looked at him, and I go, what'd you give me a high five for? 
And he says, Peterson, you know what that means? He says, you're doing something right. He said, that's a form of leadership in our industry. Now, you think about that today with EEO and everything else, right? But it was okay back in those days. But I had kind of risen to that next level, and I'm like, you know, how sad is that? You know what? You guys are looking at this at bragging rights, and I'm feeling all bad because my name's Sharpied all over the, the Portage on out there. But that's when I realized that, you know what? I know what my dad's talking about right now. I know the fact that you have to have some tough skin. And I know that when, when, we get on tight de- deadlines or the budgets are, we blew a budget or, you know what, we had a safety injury or, oh my God, we installed something and now we've had a warranty issue. we got to go tear it out. Those lead to emotions that other industries don't always have, right? Because now we, we're kind of in a, oh, beep, beep, beep moment. we got to figure it out. And um, so sometimes that those emotions play into it. So it's vulnerability in a different way. It's kind of reverse, right? It's in the negative of it. But I always tell that story. Um, I was uh, doing a DEI program for the University of Platteville. And uh, the Dr. Fields had said to me, you know, I have one female that's about ready to drop out of our engineering program. And I told her, please don't make a decision until after she hears you speak. That girl came up to me afterwards and she said, you know, I feel like I want to hug you. And that was, you know, we were in COVID at that time. We were all masked and stuff. And, and um, I said, well, I'd be okay with that, you know, but school wasn't okay with that. And she said, you know, I felt really beat up and I just didn't feel like I fit in this industry. And she said, but you know what? I listened to you speak. And she said, I listened to you talk about, you know, some of your, your successes, some of your failures and how you learn from them and how you made them even better. And she says, I'm like on fire. I can hardly wait to get out in the field. And I said, find yourself an internship, go work for a contractor, go work for an engineering firm, go work for an architect, you know, get some experience in there because your fire will be fueled even more than it is right now. And that, those are the moments that I sit back and go, you know what, that's why I love what I do because, you know, she was going to make a whole different change in her life. Didn't know what she was going to do, but she knew she didn't want construction because she didn't feel like construction was a welcoming industry for a female. It's all in what you make it. And I'm not saying it's it's easy because it's not, it's hard for all of us to find our way, but you know what? Dig deep and realize why are you here? What's your why for this industry? It's a really cool thing to start to build legacies of brick and mortar, but legacies of relationships and stories and being able to help your customers um, with the reason, what was their why for building it, right? And um, that's what we stay, that's what you stay focused on. And that's why I always say, you know what? Construction is not about the brick and mortar. It's not about the type of constructability. Are you doing metal framing? I mean, it doesn't matter. It's about the relationships and having the right people who can do that work. And that's really what makes our industry so incredibly fun, makes it so different and gives us challenges. Challenges. We don't ever get bored um, and gives us the ability then to be able to say, you know what, why wouldn't somebody want to come into construction? This is amazing. And uh, just about the time you're sick of your project team and you're you get a new project. <laughs> and then those relationships last forever. You know, you can see somebody in the community and it's like, you know, I just and they'll start talking about their building or they'll start talking about the users of their building, you know. To me, I just sit there and, you know, my kids will look at me like, oh, my gosh, mom. But, you know, my kids grew up in that industry with me, too, because as being a single mom during that time, when we would actually kick off a project, my kids would oftentimes have to come to a job site. Not industrial, because I couldn't get them in, right? I couldn't get them in a refinery. I couldn't get them in a paper mill. I couldn't get them in the mines. But any of our commercial health care schools, you know, higher ed. In fact, 
the facilities director uh, of construction down at St. Olaf College swore my kids were going to go to St. Olaf College because we were down there so much um, on projects. In fact, he'd take them to the bookstore and they would pick out their new St. Olaf clothing for the year um, when they would come down. And I remember one project where my kids did not get a special tour at the end of the project. So the superintendent would love to take my kids and give them a tour before it was open to the public. Well, we built a community services center. And uh, for Carleton County, my kids never got to go in there. And they will still tell me to this day, do you know Mom Stewart never gave us a tour of that building? Now, we go get our license tabs there. We go do things there. But they never got their behind-the-scenes tour, right? And that my kids are 19. They're twins, a boy and a girl. And they will give me a hard time about that. Or we can drive by. And do you remember that time it was raining so hard, Mom, and you were standing outside talking to that guy, and we were in the car laughing at you? Just little stories like that about that's what makes our industry great it's the human side of our business and we get to build some really cool amazing buildings um, out there too but we built some amazing people that do that during that period of time well said that's cool i mean one of the you know you went to that speech at that college really probably trying to build your own personal brand you probably changed the whole trajectory of that one girl that was going to drop out or change career paths and just that one speech of you putting yourself out there you just kind of, the way you can impact other people is just awesome. Well, it was kind of funny because we did a faculty meeting first, and then we did, you know, the students, and then we did, and it was all recorded. So Dr. Fields says to me, um, do you care if we record this? And I'm like, oh, and it was almost about a year ago that we did this. And, and I'm like, no, it's fine. And then we, she takes me into this lecture hall, and you put me in front of hundreds of adults, <laughs> and I do really good, right? You put me in front of 75 students, and I start to get a little weak in the knees going, oh, my God. Who cares, right? But you know, I, I was, I'm like, oh my gosh! So I did a Snapchat myself to my kids and to my like, you guys, is this what it means when you 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 kind of like are trying to influence people? This is scary, right? And um, I had one of the construction management professors, Doctor, um, I can't think of his name right now. He asked me, would I stay a day later and talk to his construction management students? Totally impromptu, and I said, well, I really don't have anything prepared he goes i don't think you need to prepare anything he says can i just have an open q a and let the kids ask questions and i said sure i'll do a, a quick 10 minute like you know a, a day in the life of a story of a third construction you know i'll just do something like that and it was just we i had students that actually stayed after it was lunch then after that and i had students just stayed and talked to me about how would you pick an internship or how would i know if it's a good company or you know how when you talk about culture what do you mean and you know it's so just different things i'm like you know how do you feel? Just different things in there. And, and just about every student in there had already secured their internship. And it was February when I was there, and they already had their summer internships um, lined up. And I said, what a fantastic opportunity. You know, and if you get the chance, don't always go back and do the same internship with the same company. You know, if you're in for three years or you're in for four years, take a different internship every summer. And um, I know I, when I was at Bolts and I would take in interns, I would take five or six of them in. Um, I would want them back year after year, right? right? But I tell the students, don't do that. Go try different companies, and then you you decide based on the culture, how you are treated, you know, what did it align with your personal beliefs, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes those internships are just as important to say, do you really like the industry that you picked, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a student come up to me, um, he's a summer intern, he did a lot of, he wanted, he was in construction, but more on the financial side of things, and, and he came up to me, they all had to prepare a report for me at the end of the year. <laughs> I 
this report out in front of all my staff with. But what I really learned this summer is I don't like construction. <laughs> I don't want to stay in construction. I want to go into finance, like in a bank or something. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And everybody busts out laughing. Well, you know what? Eric, kudos to him for telling the truth, right? And um, so I did a, a skate park here in my hometown. And one of my last projects before I had moved to Florida. And um, these this older couple come up to me and, and uh, they introduced themselves. And it was Eric's parents. And uh, they said, you know what? Do you know what an influence you made on his life? Now, he didn't end up in construction. He was a, he was working for a big financial company down in Minneapolis, had really moved up the ranks. And he had sent me an email then a couple weeks after that about meeting his mom and dad. And he said, you know, I never really understood the value of an internship until I got out of school and in a real job. And he said, what you taught me was structure. You taught me culture. You taught me do's and don'ts. You taught me how to be disciplined and you taught me self-confidence. And he said, I didn't realize that until I got out in the real world and realized I've got a whole skill set that these people don't even have. And he says, and I contribute that to you. Well, I love stories like that, right? Because then it, it validates the fact that, you know what, I am paying it for because I had some really great mentors in my career. I want to mentor as many people as I can. I want to help as many people as I can. So with that, that just gives me that point of reflection going, so cool but it wasn't a funny story in the beginning because he's like i hate construction now he had a lot of lessons that he learned and good thing for him to learn it early on right then to get done with school and then go another route and go oh now i don't like it now i'm going to go do something else and i'm going to go another three years or another two years right so i mean earn while i did a, a lot of programs with earn while you learn talking about getting kids into the trades because not everybody wants to do four years of school right and that's why my dad said, you know, if you can bridge that gap between office and field, just because your office staff goes to four or five, six years of school, depending upon if they get their master's or what they actually get, and the guys have gone through trade school to, you know, you can't put me in a boiler and have me do anything because, I mean, I can maybe crawl in a confined space, and that's about as good as I get, right? I'm not going to weld, and I'm not going to probably do it totally unsafe and get myself stuck in the boiler. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff where you have to realize that it takes a team and what am I good at and what is my team member good at, and that's what makes a really good team. And sometimes we forget those pieces of it because we get in our swim lane and we're so busy swimming that we forget to breathe and look around to see what's happening. And that's really where it's important to say, as a younger leader, just soak it all in. You'll find your way, trust the process. And if you feel at any time that you're not, getting that mentorship or what does the company offer? There's other ways you can get mentorship too. It doesn't have to just be in your own company, you know, get it from people like me. You can go back to your, your, um, school and say, you know what? I, I, okay, to line me up with a mentor, you know, people sometimes feel like by asking for help or asking for a mentor is a, it's gotta be expensive. Well, most people who mentor don't charge a dime. Um, and those saying that, you know what, you just have to ask of, you have three or four mentors, that's fantastic because now you have somebody with life experience to bounce things off, right? I have mm -hmm. a mentor and look how old I am. So, I mean, you, you never, you never stop growing, you never stop learning and it's okay to ask for help um, because you know what? People want to help. They just don't know you need it sometimes because it gets so busy in their own swim lanes that they forget. So, I think that's a perfect note to end right there. there 
Yeah, yeah, um, that's great. And just to add my quick two cents, just to validate it again here, Shelley, is that um, you know I, I do projects a lot, and it's one thing to have a project go well and do it successfully and feel good, but it's totally another thing to have a, have a client call you for repeated work and request you personally. That's a whole different level of satisfaction and, and, and you know really knowing that you did a good job. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you guys for the opportunity. It's thank been you. great. And I uh, just, you know, we live in a wonderful industry. So if we spread the word as much as we can. I think what you guys are doing is really cool. And, um, you know, people, if they're listening, can always uh, drop me a line, connect with me on LinkedIn, download my digital business card. I'm always willing to talk to anybody, sometimes just to give a pep talk, just to make sure that you're in the right industry. So. So I was going to put your all your information in the show notes, but if people want to reach out to you and they don't see the show notes, how can they find you on LinkedIn? What's your name on there? Um, I am Shelly Gould. Um, probably the best thing to do would go to ShellyGouldPeterson.com. That's my professional.com. And all of my business assets, all of my personal assets, my blog, all that kind of stuff are right in there with my digital business card. And my dis- digital business card is what pulls everything together. So download that. You can follow my blogs. You can follow my business. You can follow me, whatever whatever you'd like, or shoot me a question. So. And, and I did share that URL this morning in my LinkedIn post. So if anybody needs a needs a reminder, you can go to mine and this morning and find it. So. Right. Awesome. Thank you, Shelly. I wish too bad we have to keep you there about an hour. Otherwise, we could talk about three. I know, right? It would be evening. <laughs> so we're going out of here. <laughs>